so Todd and I sat down one day and we were doing, you know, we had grown maybe a, a, a run rate of a million dollar kind of consulting company or on our way to that, uh, which isn't bad for two kids in, you know, their early 20s, right? You know, we could have built an interesting business there, but we looked at each other one night when we were working rather late, which we had a tendency to do, uh, and we're like, do we really want to run a consulting company? And we looked at each other and we we're both like, no. Uh, so then we started thinking, like, what do we want to do? And from that, we said, well, we really like the idea of building a product. Welcome to 14 Minutes of SaaS, the show where you can listen to the stories and opinions of founders of the world's most remarkable SaaS scale-ups. This is episode one of two with Eric Boduck, founder, VP of Marketing and Chief Evangelist of Pendo, which is a product analytics platform. They've scaled to 430 employees, a 40% growth in headcount from March 2019 to March 2020. And actually, the day after this interview, Pendo announced a 100 million US dollar Series E and entrance into the Unicorn Club. No wonder Eric was in such good spirits when we spoke. This is 14 minutes of SaaS coming to you live from SaaS Talk in Dublin. In front of a live audience, we have Eric Boduck, co-founder of Pendo, a product experience platform. Welcome, Eric. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. It's uh, exciting. Are you having a good time? I am. I am. I just uh, gave a talk for the first time on, I, I run a podcast called Product Love, interviews product leaders and authors, and I summed that up kind of like the interesting moments, so to speak, the stories from that and just did it on stage uh, in front of three or 400 people. Oh, that was a blast, I had a good great. time. So. Is that the scale stage? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Fantastic, well, I was emceeing it yesterday, it's fantastic. Um, so talk to me a little bit about uh, your formative years uh, from when you were a kid really, where you grew up, your influences up to about 1994. Okay, up to, well, I see, you know, the funny thing is I'm bad with years. So I remember months, years. Oh, before you start your professional <laughs> career, that is. <laughs> that's easy, that's easy. So, you know. Um, so, I, I grew up passionate about computers. I was always big into computers. Uh, we were blessed as a family to be able to get out an early, or my parents took good care of me. You know, definitely I scraped a little bit, and we got a, a computer early, right? My father invested in that for both me and my sister. Uh, so I, I taught myself to program at a really early age, probably, you know, I was running basic on, you know, one of the Apple II computers, so, you know, when I was a wee lad, <laughs> so maybe like, a, I don't know, 10, 12, something wow. like that, so really early. Wow. Uh, and what was even cooler is as I went to high school, uh, which is really strange for that time, is I was able to take four years of computer science in high school, which is just phenomenal, and so I was really lucky that way, too, because... Um, I've never heard of someone else, you know, being in my kind of era, you know, you know, uh, being able to take four years of computer science in high school. So that was really cool. That's amazing. Where, where did you sick. grow up? So I grew up in a little town uh, right off the turnpike west of Boston, so called Wilbraham, Massachusetts, home of friendly ice cream. Shout out to Wilbraham, Massachusetts, and Minichog Regional High School. So okay. Go Falcons. <laughs> Now, uh, just to take a chunk of your life, between 1994 and 2007, you went from being an engineer to a CEO and then to a VP of marketing in a plethora of tech companies. So that's why I won't take you through them individually. But during that 13-year period, 
before uh, you started up or you became CEO of Smash Technologies, um, what are the one or what are one or two or three yeah, things so, I mean, you had that were formative for you? Some of those were yeah, probably more interesting to me than Smash. Uh, but yeah, I mean, right out of college, I started a company called Vision Systems. We were doing consulting, helping people build web-based systems. Um, and interestingly, I started it with my now CEO of Pendo. So it all goes and goes full ah. circle for me, at least from that aspect. So went to Carnegie Mellon, got an engineering degree, more or less. Uh, it was electrical and computer engineering, which is mostly computer science, the way I structured it. I, I stayed away from you know, really deep math and I stayed away from analog. So it was like digital encoding, uh, digital chip stuff encoding. So that was a blast, Carnegie Mellon, great place to get a technical uh, degree, great place to get a lot of degrees. Yeah. Uh, so I did that and right out of school, I was inspired to start a company by a, a good friend or, or who became a good friend, professor of mine from the business school, uh, Jack Roseman, who was just inspirational, unfortunately, uh, Jack just passed recently, sadly, uh, but a wonderful guy who really taught a, a lot of people, you know, to you know believe in themselves and then go out there and capture things. He was very like, go out there and do it. You know, why not start a company? Why go join this big company? Start your own company. Do it. You can do it. You got a great idea. You can do it. You know, it was, it was very inspiring. He was a great person to go to with people issues too. He sat on uh, the board of Vision Systems and that okay. company, Vision Systems, was the consulting company we had started to build web-based applications. Uh, that company actually became Cerebellum Software. So Todd and I sat down one day and we were doing, you know, we had grown maybe a, a, a run rate of a million dollar kind of consulting company. We're on our way to that, uh, which isn't bad for two kids in, you know, their early 20s, right? Uh, and a million dollars back then as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was, it was growing as a consulting company. I think, you know, we could have built an interesting business there. But we looked at each other one night when we were working rather late, which we had a tendency to do. Uh, and we're like, do we really want to run a consulting company? And we looked at each other and we we're both like, no. Uh, so then we started thinking, like, what do we want to do? And from that, we said, well, we really like the idea of building a product. And we were doing a lot of back-end web-based connectivity kind of work on the web. Uh, so we're like, well, why don't we productize that and turn that into something and, and see if there's a market for that. Now, you might be thinking, that's not the best way to do that. And you'd be right. You probably, that's not the best <laughs> way to do that. Uh, but we, we, you know, we were young kids and we're like, we think people will buy this. So let's just build it. Uh, so we built it and we started down what became Cerebellum Software. You know, it started kind of before the, you know, the dot-com rush and through the dot-com rush uh, and then through the dot-com crash. So it was, that was a really interesting journey and really interesting learning period because we built a company that, you know, at the time we thought was kind of, I thought was kind of huge, just like 70 people. I think we peaked around 68 actually, okay. uh, if I remember right, but right around there. Uh, you know, I'd raised a bunch of money uh, you know, it was my first experience really doing that. Uh, we raised a little bit of Vision Systems, and yep. then through Cerebellum Software, I think we raised in total, at least while I was there, 14.3 million. Uh, that number sticks in my head. Uh, and, uh, you know, we grew that, and it was fun. It was a great, interesting ex experience, uh, and learned a lot about, you know, starting a company from that. And then also learned a lot of humility because then we went through the dot bust, right? Yeah. So right before the dot bust, we actually had an acquisition offer for like, I don't know, like 50 times our last quarter's sales. So even, <laughs> you know, annual, or even more than that. It was probably 50 times our, our yearly sales at that point or our expected yearly sales. 
you know, well, maybe not quite 50, 25. Uh, but it was a huge number, right? So it was a don't look back huge moment, was it? Huge number. It's an interesting look back number, I mean, moment from the standpoint of, you know, we were, I think at the time I was 25, or I was 26 and Todd was 25, or I was 25 and he was 24, so we're still pretty young, yeah. right? And our board, you know, was pretty seasoned grizzly veterans, you know, mostly people from the Pittsburgh area we had started, but some people from Boston and elsewhere. And they're like, well, you know, maybe you guys shouldn't be running the deal, right? You know, why don't we hire an investment bank? They can help with the whole deal process, the whole deal flow. And I was like, oh, sure, you know. <laughs> and I remember talking to the CEO of the acquiring company, Todd and I were both in the office, and he's like, we'll give you this number of shares, and you might be able to get out in our secondary in a couple weeks, which did go off without a hitch. I think it was, it was pretty close. It was not maybe four or five weeks away. Uh, and, you know, you can pull off things like that. So we would have been able to cash out, not only own shares okay. in a public company, where most of them would be locked up, uh, but we'd be able to cash out some of them uh, at a really good price point, you know. Yeah. We're, we're talking, you know, real money, as I said later. I'm doing the math in my head. I'm like, oh, yeah. that's $13 million to me or something like that. Very good. Uh, and, you know, then we, we have to inform them, like, oh, but, you know, we love you guys, we'd love to work with you, but our board wants us to have a bank here, and you just run the process, you know. And then the bank comes in, and they're like, forget $100 million or whatever it was for the company. It wasn't 100 but I'm just using that as an example. Sure, Still sure. a big number. It's like, yep. we just sold another company for 125 We can get 150 for you. I think the original offer was like 60 Okay. Uh, and uh, he's like, forget that. We so can do 150 for, you know, for a company that was doing like not a lot of revenue. I mean, like low single digit millions, right? Not a lot of revenue. And we're like, okay, sure. Why not? <laughs> this is the internet boom days. Why, yeah, you know? yeah. And in retrospect, we looked at each other you know, early in the process. Like, we could just do this deal ourselves. We could get it done. We could do it. We're like, no, no, no. And that was probably something we should have just gotten the deal done. Uh, and it turns out that timing was really bad. You know, they started a process. You know, during the process, we had the market crash. Yeah. You know, the offer was off the table. The acquiring company stock went down. Now, I mean, we would have been tied up. We would have lost a lot of money with the market crash too. But we probably would have gotten out in the secondary. So there's a humbling experience there, sure, right? Sure. You know, I was thinking about it afterwards, and I was like, I would have been a pompous ass if you know, for at least the next few years, if I right out of school had you know ended up exiting and made a huge amount of money. <laughs> uh, but instead, I got you know, humble pie, so to speak. I got to go through the downturn. I get to have some VCs who came in and they're like, well, maybe you're not the right one to run it. And we're going to concentrate on services because, you know, and you're not that guy, you know, you're more of a product guy and all those kind of things. And then we tried to spin the product out. We almost had a deal to take the product out because we thought there was something great there, uh, which there probably was something good, maybe not great, but good there that I think we could have made money on. But then at the last minute, one of them pulled the strings and says, well, forget the deal we offered you. I want at least 10 times that. And then the economics didn't make sense. We couldn't pull it off. It was way too much you know, of equity. It was just like us starting a company that was owned by someone else anyways. Okay. So like we ended up walking away from all that. And then eventually the company was shuttered, like not that long afterwards. So, um, so a bit of a nightmare for you at the time. You know, I, it was, it was a great time. learning experience, yeah. as I like to say, you know, but you know, as I told a friend later, who's, who was really, really wealthy, I was like, listen, 12 million bucks, it's real money. <laughs> so uh, 12 million of my dollars, what could have yeah. been, yeah. and it would have never, you know, with the, dot, with the market going down, it wouldn't have been that. But still, you know, it is a humbling experience. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, you eventually ended up as a, 
CEO of Smash Technologies. From what you said earlier, maybe not as big a Smash as I might have thought. No, no, but it has the great name. It has it, the great name it for does. That. I mean, were you a founder, or what was the so story of that? kind of a founder? So in between, like you know, Sarah Baum and Smash, I went out and did the public company thing. So I got this great experience of you know running marketing at a public company and having marketing you know an office in Tokyo and and oh, one wow. in Europe. So it was my first big public company experience, writing you know, the script for our earnings release. So that was all really cool. Gave me a whole new exposure. Uh, did that for a couple of years, commuting from San Francisco all the way down to Sunnyvale, yes. uh, which is a horrible commute, even back okay. then. It's probably way worse today. Uh, but I got up early in the morning to miss most of the traffic. Going home was always bad. Uh, but then you know, I, was, I started, I was like, I'm going to do consulting after that. I want to do, get involved in a bunch of different companies, did some of that, and then a friend of mine had started this company that was Smash. He was, he was like, oh, we can do this really cool stuff with text messaging and mobile technology, and he sold me on it. Okay. And I was like, oh, you know. So my consulting practice, you know, I stopped doing as soon as it got really profitable. Uh, and I was like, I'm in, I'll help you build this, I'll help you run it, and then eventually he wanted me to be CEO, um, and went through that. And you know, we had some interesting technology that was SMS-based, and we built it all right before and launched it, or, we built it and then the iPhone was launched. And the world kind of changed uh, yeah. with the app, yeah. you know, the app world. And you know, in, in retrospect, I think we could have done a better job of positioning it. And Smash was always an interesting experience because we always had enough money to survive, or at least we did for a long time, but not really enough to innovate and change where we were going. Okay. So I felt like, you know, and one of the conundrums entrepreneurs and product managers do fall into is optimizing for local optimal. Like, you know, what's the highest point you can get with what you have? And it stops you from thinking outside the box a little bit. And I think we could have approached that marketplace a little bit differently. Like, you know, someone who approached that same marketplace very differently was Twilio. And you can see how well they did, right? Versus how well Smash did. So was that, um, a, was that a case of a company um, that would have benefited from uh, taking on more investment early? To give, it yeah, that, we to give it that room to spend money on innovation we, while, of course, we definitely could have raised it. more money. I think we would have if we had if we had easy access to it. We were able to raise money, but it was always coming in as like, here's enough for you guys to last another six months. So it was all about and growth. it's hard to like it's hard to innovate then. Yeah. Uh, and you, I think you start making, and I think we all did kind of make not some of the best decisions based upon the fact that we're thinking of well, how do we get far enough? that we can raise more money or expand far enough in six months, instead of thinking like, where do we want to be? We want to be long-term greedy, right? Yeah. And we weren't long-term greedy, we were short-term greedy uh, as far as like selling, right? And building the company. And really wanted to figure out, okay, how do we build a big company 10 years from now? Forget what it looks like a year from now. And we never could get out of that short-term mindset, unfortunately, and some of that was just, a lot of that was just our constraints that we were dealing with. And. Uh, you know, if I was going to do it all again, I would have I would have exited Smash sooner, okay. because it felt like I, we were doing it just to see that we could get as much money back from investors as we could, as opposed to building a good company. And in the end, I don't know that we did any better for investors than if we had shut down the company or sold the company off as we did, you know, two years earlier, right? So, so. because because you lost two years of your life, two years of time, yeah, or even three that, could have been. Was it was it you know with the an exit to mind matrix that wasn't massively. Uh, satisfactory for you from what you were saying earlier. Oh, it did nothing for me. In the second and final episode of my conversation with Eric Boduck, he'll explain to us why he has a real passion for scaling Pendo. <laughs> 
You've been listening to 14 Minutes of SaaS. Thank you to Ketsu for music provided under a Creative Commons license. This episode was brought to you by me, Stephen Cummins. If you enjoy the podcast, please don't forget to share it with your network, subscribe to the series, and give the show a rating. Thank you.